0: My Govanen. Welcome to the Tolkien Lore Channel. I'm the Tolkien Geek, and I promised a while back that I would do a video kind of translating the front piece for the Lord of the Rings, the Moria door and Balin's Tomb. There are other things that I could translate, but these three are the ones I want to focus on, and I'm finally getting around to doing it. There's just been too much other stuff going on, too many important things to talk about. So, at long last, let's take a look at translating some Elvish script. Alright, so the way I'm going to do this is, here is a photo of the title page to the Lord of the Rings from the 50th Anniversary Edition uh, that was published several years back. You can see on the top, there are runes done in the style that you can see in The Hobbit, which are typically associated with dwarves, but is actually a creation of elves, and then on the bottom you see what we typically more associate with the elves, which is uh, a different script, but serves basically the same purpose. So, with that out of the way, now let me switch to a photo of what I did to recreate this so I can then show you the translation. Alright, so here we have my recreation of the title page with the translation, or more properly transliteration, below it. The very top, of course, you see the runes with the transliteration under that, and then the next three lines, somewhat separated, are the more elegant Elvish script. The big line dividing that second line of Elvish script is basically the dividing point of the first and second lines on the actual title page, and the dots between characters usually represent word breaks, which you can kind of tell from reading, but I just wanted to make that clear. The interesting thing, of course, is that these languages are always phonetic. The alphabets don't represent letters, per se, so much as sounds. So, for instance, the very first letter of the very first line, or not letter, but rune, represents the the sound, not dh, the letters, but the the sound, that's how Tolkien represents that thin as opposed to thin type of th in English. And the next symbol after that represents the schwa sound, which if you don't remember your English lesson from years ago, basically is just kind of the uh, not really a u, but not really anything else. Practically any vowel can make that sound. There's some odd bits here and there, so... When you get to the Lord of the Rings, the F is actually a V because, again, it's phonetic. Uh, in the Rings, you'll see that the instead of an NG, you have an N with kind of a loop that looks like a G. That kind of just represents a M sound without a hard G at the end since we typically kind of just skip over the hard G at the end there. The uh, more interesting part, though, is when you get to the last three lines with the Elvish script, because there's more than one way to do this. And in this particular instance on the the title page, Tolkien has used what he calls techtar, which are the little symbols above the letters which represent the vowel sounds. So for instance, you've got in west, the little dashed line there over that second consonant would be the E sound, or in uh, it's West March, you'll see the little three lines above the symbol indicate the a, sound. There's a couple of weird ones, and Tolkien even says in the appendix, which is Appendix F, where he gives all this information, that the transliteration done here is done as if someone from Gondor were kind of hesitating about how to make this work for English, and so in the word by, there's a little dashed line above what essentially stands in for a standalone vowel. If you don't have a, a consonant to put the vowel sound over, then you just get kind of like a J or an I. In this case, the J represents a longer one. And so you would think it would mean bay, but it, it's clearly supposed to be the I sound representing a Y. So I initially wrote there like an a I with a, a line over it, but I changed it to Y because I really don't know how else to do it. So there's a bunch of different things here. In this particular mode, the, the vowel goes over the consonant which follows it. So you've got a bunch of different interesting things going on here. You can also see, for instance, that when you get to the, um, for instance, of is just kind of represented as just the V. You can see that in the very first word there in that first line. That's just V, and it's like the whoever wrote it just kind of, I'm not really sure if I want to put a vowel there. Uh, and then you've got, if you go to the second line, it goes to, its, and at and I mean the second line of the title page, the history of the, instead of writing two separate words for of the, it just kind of combines the symbols for the and the, and just makes it one, one syllable almost, the, of the. So it's kind of interesting how he does all this. And it's interesting too to note, uh, for instance, when it says "return of the king," "return" doesn't have an e; it has an i because it's "return," not "return." So again, you kind of get that idea. And then also interestingly, as seen by the hobbits at the very end, as normally the the a symbol has just the ah sound, but here it's ah. And again, it's that idea that whoever wrote this was kind of vaguely familiar with English and just kind of trying to work their way through it. So it's interesting how you can kind of see them piece that together. But if you really compare the two, you get the idea, and this is you know pretty clearly what he was going for. So that's the title page. Now let's look at the Moriador. Okay, so here's the Moriador inscription. And what's interesting here is he doesn't give us an English translation, he actually just gives us straight up the Elvish. So at the bottom it says here is written in the Feanorian characters according to the mode of Balerian. En Durin Aran Moria Pedo Melon Amino Imnarvi O So what that exactly means, Gandalf tells us in the text, but what we can figure out from this is we don't have to actually transliterate the the characters, we can actually see what they are. Now it's a little confusing because of the way he actually writes the characters in the door, but what you can figure out is this is a mode that does not use the techtar and in fact has the full, what you call full writing where he has an actual separate letter for the vowels. So let's switch over to my recreation and see what that looks like. Okay, so instead of recreating the entire thing, since he literally tells us what they all are anyway, I've just done the first few words because it covers all the vowels, so you can get an idea of what what represents what. Uh, Now the interesting thing about it is in contrast to what typically happens you can see that the double N actually looks like a double single N, which is unusual because typically what happens is in the other modes of writing, that double N sound in Inyun would actually be the N, whereas what looks like the single N would be an R. It would actually be a different sound, but the way he's done it here is a little a little bit different. So anyway, you can see here that the Y is represented by what kind of looks similar to what was an S in the previous one, if you want to go back and look at that. An O, or what looks like an O, actually represents the OO sound. A dotless I represents the E or E sound. Something that looks like a C represents AH. And then you've got kind of a weird looking A symbol that represents the O sound. So there's a lot of different Things going on here, but I mean, you could kind of compare and contrast and get your own idea of the full, full differences between the two modes. So that's that's the main things I wanted to point out here. Now let's look at Balin's tomb. Now Balin's tomb is interesting because, well, I'll get to that in a bit. But here, what we see is uh, the the actual inscription as it would have appeared to the fellowship, and Remember how Gandalf says that it says here in the tongues of dwarves and men. Now, that's important because let's turn to my recreation and see what that looks like. Now, unfortunately, I have done a fairly poor job of centering the lines that needed to be centered here, and I made a bit of an error again, but what you can see is that the first three lines of the text actually are the Dwarvish lines, and they basically read, Balin fundinu uzbad kazadumu, which means Balin, son of Fundin, lord of kazadum, or Moria, depending on how you look at it. Now, the last line, again, it actually goes to what looks like plain English, if you just read the sounds, so Balin, son of Fundin, lord of Moria. The interesting thing about that is the fact that English is not the language of men in Tolkien's world. They had a separate tongue called Western, which was kind of a derivation of Adenaic, which was the language of Numenor, which itself was somewhat based on the earlier languages of man uh, and also of elves. So it's interesting because he's using dwarvish characters to represent mannish words, which are, in fact, English words to us. So it's like he's kind of taking one step out of the process instead of having it translate to something that's still foreign to our ears. He's actually translating it directly into English, even though what that would imply is that those are not actually the Dwarvish runes that show up on Balin's tomb. So it's just an interesting little side note there. But it's interesting also, just because you can. it's one of the few examples we have of any actual Dwarvish language, because one of the points that Tolkien makes in the appendices is that Dwarves are very, very reticent to share their language with other people. Very few non-Dwarves ever learn it, and so it's interesting that we actually get a little bit of it here. You do hear a little bit in other places, so for example at Helm's Deep, uh, Gimli lets loose a war cry, uh, the Khazad-i-Menu, which is basically the axes of the dwarves, but you very rarely get any actual dwarvish. But anyway, that's uh, the three translations I wanted to go over. There are other things you can translate, the ring inscription, for instance, but these are the ones that kind of cover the main ideas that you'll need to really get, and you know, if you really want to look at getting these different runes and getting a good grasp on how they work so you can translate some of your own stuff then you know spend as much time as you need on each of these pages because i've done you know all the hard work for you in the sense of showing which which things go where in these different inscriptions and that'll get you a good start to translating pretty much anything else you want to translate in the lord of the rings so i hope you enjoyed that hope you liked the explanations of how the elven scripts work and how they can kind of change depending on the usage. If you do want to learn more about Tolkien and his worlds or anything outside of the Middle Earth realm even, then please subscribe to the channel. You can also follow me at JRRTLore on Twitter, and please give the video a like and share it around if you found it useful. the next time, I'm the Tolkien Geek signing out for the Tolkien Lore Channel. Namaste.